Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones, and you are listening to Hardcore Church Planning. My guest today is Josh Carter. It's not his first rodeo. He's been on with me before, and we got cut short. Um, it was intended to be a one-parter, but we realized part way in, hey, wait, hold on. We're going to need to actually make this into two because Josh has more to say. And really, what he's going to unpack today is what I'm particularly excited about. This could be standalone, but if you want to go back and hear about Josh's trials uh, in church planning, you can go back and listen uh, to the earlier one we did earlier in the year or, or last year in 2017. But again, this is standalone. So I'm not going to ask Josh to do what we normally do, which is introduce yourself, tell us why you're sexy, all that kind of stuff. We're, <laughs> we're keeping all that out of there. Um, what, what we want to do today is jump straight in. So Josh, uh, welcome to the show. Hey man, thank you for having me, man. Now, one of the things that, uh, you and I have been talking about is an innovative way to uh, marry business and mission for the mm-hmm. sake of church planting. Now, uh, before you jump in, because I'm going to say, ready, go, yeah. um, you also are in Portland, Oregon. That is not an easy city to plant in. <laughs> so you tend to find that in harder places to plant, people are more innovative because they have to be. What yeah. is this innovative way of church planting that you've been discovering? Yeah, I think the reality, you know, in places like Portland, Oregon, and I, I think it's going to extend across the United States as well, is that, you know, the way that we typically plant churches in North America, um, co- not just costs a lot of money, but take a lot of time. And I, I don't think it's sustainable, not any kind of multiplication movement. So I think place like or- Portland, Oregon, being here almost four years, um, you know, we, we have to innovate. You know, we have to change some of the ways that we're doing if we want to multiply more churches. And uh so we're, we were in a lab, if you will, of learning, kind of taking theory and trying to make it come a reality. 
of how do you how do you really guide everyday people to live an extraordinary life in the kingdom of God, you know, and in plant churches. And so, uh, yeah, so we're we're kind of in a way on the front side of, of learning a lot as well. So in that. So. Very cool, man. So tell me um, what, you know, what how have you guys done it in Portland? Tell us a little bit about how you've been able to do this yourselves. What's yeah, it look like? So- yeah, so I'll say one thing is is we I, I feel like we kind of live in the middle um, where we uh, we I think we came up here with the silks the, the idea that we're going to have to do things differently, but it had to change in us first, and and uh, we had to feel a little bit of pressure that the way that we typically plant churches um, and that it just wasn't going to happen. But we had the we had the finances, you know, we had the partnerships that we could at least lean into that and learn from that. And so um, I would say um, first of all, uh, what we had to realize was that um, the only way that we could really plant a church um was there just wasn't enough people <laughs> like there wasn't enough people to get mad at their church to come to our church <laughs> so uh so there was no way we could uh get enough influx of people so we had to actually go after people be missionaries and then we said okay once we reach people you know how, how, where are we going to get the finances because you know giving is one thing uh you know to the mission but just in the area of discipleship it's going to take a lot longer than three years to disciple someone up to really understand what it means to be generous and, and give into the mission so so we started just connecting with local businesses and we said um, hey one thing that they love about uh, their life here in Portland is they love doing something for the community many of the businesses locally give to the community in some ways so we were looking at oh how could we jump in on what's already happening in the business community to seek the good of the community and not just try to do our own thing and hopefully that would, you know, piggyback off of that as a as a gathering space in many of those businesses, that sort of thing, that can keep our costs low but multiply quicker. And so, um, so yeah, so we've been able to do some of that. We're on the front side, but I've got some uh, pretty cool stories about how I've done that. So, well, man, let us hear the stories. That's what that's what people connect with because, you know, as you say that, they unlock. Hey, I might know someone like that, or I might have a situation like that. Yeah, let's put it into into brass tacks and yeah, what, yeah. what's happened? Tell us those stories. Yeah, so I think one of the first things we did, we started, um, again, we'd meet any, if you could, we always said if you could breathe, we'd talk to you. Um, and so we were just meeting, finding out what the needs were, finding out what people's passions were. Uh, we met one lady. Uh, she's actually originally from Phoenix, Arizona, moved up here. Uh, she's a dancer, so she owned a dance studio, or I actually worked for a dance studio in Portland for a while. Had a dream. She had a dream. She wanted to own her own dance studio. Uh, we just kind of coached her and said, what, what what's keeping you from doing that? A lot of that was fear of, of finances and, and how that's going to happen. And she stepped out and, uh, and basically started from nothing in her garage. Um, and again, coming to our, uh, our, our Bible study, if you will, our group, and uh, started doing this dance studio. Her last year was her first year doing it. And, and God just really used it because she was already connected in the community. And uh, God just started kind of, uh, in lack of a word, like growing her business. I mean, it was crazy in her garage. So we started saying, how could we build her a dance studio to continue to kind of build her dream? And then partner with her alongside of that, again, to keep some of our costs low and as far as a gathering spot, say, hey, can we gather there on Sundays if we maybe raise funds, not just to go to church building, but what if you raise funds to build you a dance studio so you fulfill your dreams and then we get to multiply churches through it as a kind of a, a central location for us to plant churches out of. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's been an incredible partnership. We just put in an offer last night on a building um, that's going to uh, house, a, house a dance studio for her. So, um, so. You know, when you see things like that happening, um, it's easily multipliable when you get everyday people involved in, you know, their gift skills and abilities. And then on top of that, she has the relationships. So she's connected to so many more people in the community and faster than we ever could because we've only been here, you know, three years now. So, 
So, Josh, what you're saying really um, is you to partner with these businesses, you're actually you're going and finding what they want to accomplish and saying, hey, we can help. And, the, and is that primarily like funding? Is it manpower and helping them build it? What's that look like practically? Yeah, I think that's that's all those things. I think one thing that we're, that we're finding out is because we kind of live in the in-between where we have a lot of churches uh, across the country, specifically in the South, where I come from, a lot of these churches partner with churches like us, say, in the Northwest, and they want to send mission teams. Um, but I think one of the things you can do within that partnership is say, look, we know that you want to, and they know that long-term, they got to mobilize their everyday people, and they don't know how to do that. So we say, okay, what if you partner with us by funding, and what you're going to help us fund is you're going to help us give us the assets to help us fund, say, a local business that will seek the good of this community. You send your teams up, and your teams are going to be built around this. So, for example, we do a build-out, uh, like, for example, a coffee, one of the coffee shops that we're looking at building out for, for a local coffee shop. Um, they, uh, you know, you got to have electricians. you got to have painters. you got a lot of labor that and, – and, and, frankly, experts that sit in these churches um, that can actually be a part of this by coming up here using their skill sets uh, to build out something for the community so that we can plant churches. And I think it's the bridge between where we exist today and people who go and sit in churches and um, they know they should use their gift skills and abilities every day to do it, but we're not giving them practical ways in which they can. And this is a practical way you can use everyday people uh, to partner uh, by seeking people's dreams, if you will, and seeking business and giving us, you know, if you will, meeting spaces and that sort of thing for churches together. So, um, yeah. So, anyways. That's very cool. So, are there other examples that you have as well, other stories of – of how yeah. you're able to partner? Yeah, I think I, I mentioned the coffee shop. I didn't think I showed you that one, but we have a guy named Austin who uh, is from Portland, uh, started a very successful business on, in Northeast Portland, and um, he a uh, coffee shop. And obviously, you know, Portland's just known for coffee. And so the market of coffee shops, you know, it's not something you just want to jump into uh, just because the market's so saturated. However, Austin's a believer, um, has created a, a business that really – has impacted his community as far as building conversations, that sort of thing. Um, it's kind of built a following because he's got a brand. So we approached him and said, um, you know, as we got to know him, that sort of thing, and they weren't really plugged into a church. Um, and we said, what would it look like for you to um, to open up a, a one of your coffee shops using your brand on the west side where there's a lot of growth happening in the city? And said, and what we'll do is it'll cost you, it won't cost you a ton because we'll do the build out for it. We'll partner together and you create space um, if we can have an office space uh, for, you know, a few of us church planners on the back side of it. And then you, you we, we partner with your brand because you have the brand. And he loved that idea because, you know, he doesn't ever saw himself as a church planter before. But he from, you know, from day one, he becomes a, a church planning partner with us um, because he's the one creating the, the environment for the conversations to happen. And, uh, and then again, most of our fundraising is going towards. You know, how do we um, it, it's it's tangible assets that we hold on to um, where I'm seeing a lot of church plants is they put a lot of money into rent spaces for a church building. You know, and the rents escalate, especially in these cities like Portland, they escalate and rents keep going higher and higher and they just can't sustain it. And not only that, you can't you can't really it's, it's not a multiply. It's, it's not multipliable um, because of the amount of money. Uh, that it costs to uh, to keep these things up, and so when you can create something that's generating funds, and most of your your cost is upfront, then you know it, it's not causing you a lot of money long term to keep to keep it going because the business is making money. So hey, it's a theory. We're 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 on the front side of. We're not experts at all. 
Um, but it's amazing what happens when you sit down with people and say, hey, we're not coming here for you to just plug into our dream, but we're coming here. You want to support you and want to come up under your dream. Uh, and specifically as Christians, and Jesus said, hey, pray the Lord of the harvest. He said, more labor since the harvest. And we're saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to show you how you can be a labor in the harvest and not even have to change any of what you're doing, just leveraging what you're doing. Right. And uh, so anyways. That's cool, man. I really like that. So let me ask you this. Um, as you're entering into these agreements with people, like obviously if you're raising funds, you're pouring into yeah. them, is there some kind of contract that you do? Like, yeah. do you say to the dance studio, Hey, look, we're building your dance studio. You know, like don't kick us out after six months. What does that look like? You there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did okay. I get out? I, get out. I missed you. Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're, how do you say to them? Look, um, we just built you this dance studio. Um, obviously we're going to meet in it, but don't kick us out after six months. How, how does that conversation take place? What kind yeah. of contract or agreement do you make? Yeah, I think, um, so for one, I have some guys around me that are, I've got a guy on our team that's a CFO. So <laughs> in a lot of ways I lean on a lot of these guys that know more than me. So I think, I think as planters, we got to feel like, you know, we don't know everything, you know, that we've got to put guys around me. So I've got guys that do those sorts of things. And I think every relationship is different. Um, I know with the coffee shop, um, you know, if we do the build out, you know, we own the assets of the build out. And so, um, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's, we're in a lot of our rental agreements, like the building that we're looking at for the coffee shop. Um, we have the, we have the ability to sublease to him. So we just do it for a reduced cost, but because he's in the church planning mode, what we always say is, you know, again, it's all depending upon the city that you live in, but you know, we want him to, he needs to make money. He's an investor, you know, he needs to make money and he's given time and effort into it. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's the guy that's saying, look, I've already got two really good coffee shops over here. that are making good money. You know, I, it, it, it's not going to hurt me to, to own a, a different coffee shop on the West side. You know, if I'm not putting a lot of upfront costs. And so, so it's all different. Um, but you know, yeah, there's agreements in there about, the cost of rent, the cost of it's going to, you know, what it's going to cost them on the front side. But I think if it's a partnership, you know, they want church planning to go forward. They want the kingdom to expand and we do too. And so, right. Um, it's all different, you know, very cool, man. Very cool. So, uh, it's good to have business people around you when you're doing that Definitely <laughs> yeah. church planner. If you're ever going to draw up any kind of contract, if it's your first rodeo, ask someone to help you, you know, yep. go, go to, there are so many business minded people in our churches that we never tap into. No. Um, Josh, how did this happen for you? I mean, you know, you're from the South. You're, you're yeah. coming to Portland. You're minding your own business. You're planning a church. And yeah. one day you have an epiphany. Hey, yeah. I got a bunch of these, uh, business people around me. Why yeah. am I not harnessing that? What's, what's yeah. your kind of breakthrough story on this? What was yeah, your so aha moment in this well, area of business's mission? Yeah. Well, I think for me, I, you know, living back in, I'm originally from Tennessee. And so I was serving at a large church there. And I realized that, you know, some of the smartest people and most connected people were the people in the marketplace. My undergraduates in marketing management. So I've always been interested in business, but I think we have a lot of business. We have a lot of business permission language in the church, but you know, in, in my setting, I never saw, I, I never saw a businessman step, stand up in front of the church or in a seminar or any kind of conference and say, Hey, here's how I'm using my business to support church planting and be part of church planting team. It's always been about 
I've seen guys that leave their businesses. Like we had a guy that left Tennessee and came with us to start a business. But how does that affect the church plant? You know, and there was never anybody that I ever saw set up and do that. But I knew that on our sitting on our pews or on our chairs every week in churches are just incredible assets and resources of people with brain power. That's, you know, with creativity out the wazoo, you know, of, right. of, that we're just not tapping into. And so I started realizing, man, what would it look like to, to do that? And some of my training was a, a guy um, in Las Vegas named Brian Hook who taught me a, a model they call KDSE. Yeah, you know, Brian. Yeah. So he, 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 he was kind of the missions pastor that I was, I was at Hope Church with, with Vince Pittman and, and he taught me a model is, you know, kingdom disciple society church, you know, and, and, and Vance always says, is that hope? He always says, you know, the, the, the key, the church was never the mission, you know, the kingdom was, and the church was a tool to fulfill God's mission. And, and so when you, when you think about the kingdom first, you start thinking, okay, what's God doing, you know, in, in the community to reconcile people to himself. And that's gotta be in the marketplace where they're at. And, uh, so that, that really started my thinking behind it. Um, again, a lot of it still was very much theory and has been theory for a long time, but it's so different, but it's not different to be different or it's not even different to be bivocational. It's different because, I mean, being here in Portland, it's just not sustainable to raise six, $700,000 and plant one church, much less try to multiply churches. So let me know? ask this. Yeah. This is kind of the golden question. How are you raising funds yeah. to support this habit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sad. Isn't it? Um, now, honestly, we're blessed. You know, I think, I think God's hand is in this thing, and I think uh, we can't underline the fact that if God's not in it, it's, He's not in it, you know. And so I think that we have been blessed to partner. I enjoy fundraising. To be honest with you, I enjoy the supporting the support factor of it. Um, just connected, and so I felt like okay, we had the funds to go out and just go hard at the way we're doing church planning, but you know, four years from now, we don't have any money, you know. And it was like, how could we? jump in on the opportunity that we have and take the money we have and how could we invest in things that can actually generate funds so that we're not having to keep raising four or five hundred thousand dollars every time we plant a church and and uh and so for us I, you know i think long i think in this right now in the season where we are yeah on the front side we have to raise a lot of money but i'm hoping if if i can raise a lot of money on the front side and invest it in things that can create money maybe we can plant churches through everyday businessmen you know, and um, and we won't have to keep raising four or five hundred thousand dollars every time, you know, because we're generating funds over time. Um, again, I'm on the front side of learning myself, um, but I think I think we're on to something in regard to planting across North America. I mean, even if you go to Texas, people are going to church two times a week now. You know, I mean, that's not just the Northwest. Um, yeah. You know, people aren't given like they we weren't given to, 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 to it like they used to. Nope. And uh, I just think that. You can sit here and, and, you know, we don't know all the stats, but nobody's doing anything about it. And I'll go back and speak to the church. I'm going to missions conference two weeks from now, and um, I'll speak at it. And I'll sit in rooms with very successful business people in these churches, and they want to know how they can be part of the mission. And, and we typically give them two ways. One, give money, or two, go on a mission trip. And that's typically what we do. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. We need them to do that. That's great. But we never sit there and say, Okay, how can you use your law degree in Nashville, Tennessee, to affect church playing in Northwest? And you might not ever have to move, right? You know, why aren't we thinking creatively? You know, creatively like that. And um, and I think churches just have never, we just haven't done it like that, and it's so different. Um, and uh, so I think we're on the front side of stuff, but um, I'm hoping long term 
if we can plant churches and do things that are multiplied, I'll give you a really good example of this. We're making decisions at a team right now where, um, you know, we go to, to, you know, spend money on a print piece, if you will, for our people. We say, okay, for us to go spend $2,000 in this print piece, is that doable for a new church plant? You know, so if you have a minority planter in the city and you want to plant churches with him, is it doable for him to raise that type of money to do $2,000 on print material? Well, no. Well, let's figure out a way that we can do the same resource but have it multipliable. So it changes everything you do. Every every piece of every dollar you spend, you're saying, is this something that someone else could do if they could not raise $500,000? Right. You know, and I think those are the questions that we need to be asking. Um, not, hey, we got all this money, you know, um, Let's let's just do it today and not worry about tomorrow. What? How can we take the money that we have today, leverage it for the opportunity, do everything we do multipliable, um, and invest it in something that can generate funds long term and uh, create a I don't know create a model that um, that more people can be a part of, be a part of church planning than guys like me who went to seminary and um, you know and are the church planners. You know why can't everybody be one? So I don't know, man. I'm crazy, aren't I? So, <laughs> well, you know me. You know, you know, you and I have talked. I'm. This is something that I'm actually on a pretty big project working on at the moment, uh-huh. which is how to train church planners um, bivocationally to begin with. Yeah. So man. not just utilizing business people around them, but maybe changing the model of how we change church planners. So, for example, maybe we don't just train them to plant churches. Maybe we also train them to start businesses. Yeah. <clears throat> you yeah. know, so that they're yeah. taking the funding of the mission in their own hands. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. like you said, um, there's definitely ways that you can leverage what you're doing um, yeah. as well. Well, your approach. Another approach yeah. is to take something like um, a business owner who's out there who yeah. has a space. Maybe they have a, a warehouse space. And they're yep. using part of it. There's a church here in San Diego that um, the the bottom floor uh, makes a very popular brand of sandals, and the owner is a Christian. And mm-hmm. around here, people would know that that brand of sandal, and um, you know, a multi million dollar company. But the whole top floor is empty. So yep. a local church, he approached him and said, "Hey, you guys want to have your church on the top floor of my factory?" Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Boom, let's done. Do it. Yeah. Um, you can also find, um, you know, other planners who, uh, maybe it's a, it's not even a floor. It's, it's a part of their building that doesn't get used and they sublease it, but they yeah. sublease it at a ridiculous rate because the owner's a Christian who says, I want to fund church planning and I have this business asset. You know, we're, we're only ever going to be accountable for the talents that we possessed. Uh-huh. On the last day, not for once yeah. we didn't. And some of these yeah. business guys, they they walk in going, "My building's too big, but it's uh-huh. a perfect space for what I need." Um, you know, in yeah. the area, and they might yeah. be looking. Maybe they could offset that. Maybe that could even be a tax write off for them. That uh, I, I believe in California, you cannot write off square footage as a tax write-off, but other states you might be able to. So um, these are all possibilities. There are different ways. And so I'm in a a major research phase, which is why um, when you dropped what you were doing, I'm like, we're getting you on the podcast. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I I will tell you too, like Peyton, I I think that um, 
you know, when I, I worked at Starbucks for a while when I moved to Portland and I was doing the bivocational, you know, and, and I hear a lot of guys do this. They go out and try to do bivocational and I think it's great, you know, but again, I always say, I say, I don't know if that's the right question because, you know, what happens to a lot of those guys is once they get the funding, they pull away from it. I think the mm. question is why, 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 why be bivocational? For me, man, some of my most fruitful ministry in Portland, I had a guy come to Christ, stopped him for about eight months because I was at Starbucks every day. Mm-hmm. And, and not because I was sitting at Starbucks, because I was working there, you know, and, and I got to know a lot of the customers. And, and I started realizing, though, within that, um, I had a pressure, though, as a church planner because of trying to get church planning, you know, trying to get the church up and going, that I sped the process along so fast that many times I think I miss people. Um, and I think a lot of guys who go into bivocational is they get the pressure, especially in places like, you know, Portland, where, okay, I got to get this thing sustainable. So it's not, I don't have the time to work a job and try to get this church going, you know? And, and I think if you had a way in which, how to say, if you, if you weren't completely relying upon the finances of getting this thing done in three years or five years, but you said, I'm willing to, you know, spend my life here, start a business or be a part of business. Then what happens to discipleship, because you become a missionary, yeah. you know? Well, and, and let me let me step in here for a second and say that bivocationalism is not in and of itself, um, you know, always with with buzzwords. We have to yeah. be careful. But I would say that for many of us, bivocationalism was the only way. In other only words, um, when a planner doesn't find that he has pulpits open to him. Or access to fun, or, you know, he's exhausted his his fun pool, which happens. Yeah, you know, too. um, it it can be very daunting and very difficult. And often church plants fail, quote unquote. I always tell them, you didn't fail. The money failed. Yeah. The mission didn't even fail. Yeah. The church probably was doing fine. Yeah. But you know, the reality is, if you hook your finances up to the church plant, that usually has disastrous results yep. and consequences. But what I always tell guys with Bivo is, like you said, can I, and this is, this is my training on Bivo. Uh, can you maximize the money, your income? Can you minimize the time spent working? So in other words, you're making maximum money for minimum investment of time to free mm-hmm. you up to do ministry, A. But B, does it expose you to your target community? So certainly, yeah. Bivo jobs aren't going to expose you to anyone, but a job like Starbucks, which I was a Bivo, Starbucks church planner and also yeah. a window cleaner. Man, yeah. if I thought Starbucks is good, window cleaning was even better. Better. And and so here's the deal. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of guys are heading towards bivocational ministry because they hear, oh, the future looks bland, and it does. You're right on that. The future mm-hmm. looks bleak for non-bivo ministry going forward. However, you cannot do bivocational ministry Without a team, I always tell people: if you bivo by itself, if you're trying to do the pastor-only good, model, yeah. it's suicide. Yeah, but if you want to do bivo with what I talk about in Church Zero, where you're a team of elders, apostle, shepherd, teacher, evangelist, and you want to you want to travel with a posse and do it like Paul did, because let's be honest, that's what Paul did. He did tent making as a team, and then he good. did church planning as a team. If you hit on that. You're into something now because now you're sharing the burden of the business and you're sharing the business burden of the ministry. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking into rediscovering. How do we leverage that towards church planners? And what you've tapped into mm-hmm. today 
is just another angle, another way. And, and what I love about it is utilizing everyday believers to accomplish mm-hmm. mission. Some yeah. people, that's yeah. what they have to give. They're like, look, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have, square footage, I give you. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That's so, good stuff. Yeah, go ahead. No, that's, that's great. I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I think the thing you said about, you know, the, we're not doing, not being bivocational because, you know, like you said, there's these, these bad words. Um, you know, we're not being bivocational because that's, you know, the thing to do. I think in some ways we're being bivocational because, I don't know of a better way to rub shoulders with everyday people than to start living like them, you know, and, and, and be a part of what they're doing every day. And, uh, uh, and I think, you know, if, if you can do that and not have the pressure to say, I'm, I get faithfulness over time, uh, you know, God, what is it? Uh, God can do, uh, we way over expect what we can do in two years, way under what God can do in five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I say, hey, I'm insane for a long term. Uh, rubbing shoulders with everyday people, I think is, is where it's at. So anyways, good thanks, stuff, man. man. That's, and that's where you need to be in Portland, man. Staying up for the long haul. It needs it. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, our, my guest today has been Jar, uh, Josh, Josh, <laughs> Josh Carter, Josh Carter. That's my, that's Josh, my out, man. <laughs> Josh Carter. And uh, he is up in Portland, Oregon, church planner extraordinaire, marrying businesses, mission. Josh, if they want to get in touch with you, how and when and where? Yeah, so you can go to our website, uh, remedycitypdx.org, uh, or hey, you can email me at josh at remedycitypdx.org. Very cool. So, guys, get in touch with him and uh, check it out. My Oh, Josh, before we uh, get off today... I need to um, ask you the question I ask everybody, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a tough question. Um, a lot of people don't see it coming. I don't remember who I pitted you against last time, but people always expect this question at the end of the podcast. If you yeah. and Francis Chan were to get in a physical fist fight, who would win? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Um I'll, I'll be. I'll take the humble route here and say Francis Chan. <laughs> I don't think you've been up on Francis Chan, man. That's pretty bad. No, you don't want to hit Francis, do you? It's because we respect him so much. We respect that guy, man. He's Heck incredible. Yeah. He's just doing his thing, dropping into obscurity. Yeah, know? incredible and, guy. Uh, who wants to hit Francis? That's just not right. I'm, I'm glad you took the. Glad you bowed out. I'm kind of sorry for presenting him. Yeah, absolutely. That's a bad one, man. I had to stay away from people in NAM in case they cut your funding. So, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't put me in that position, please. All right. Well, hey, guys, this has been Hardcore Church Planting. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.